Hello and welcome to another episode of the Random Cinematic Universe, where we review movies that have been chosen by a random movie generator, and we have absolutely no say in what we watch and discuss. Uh, I'm your host, Zach Jones. This week I have with me uh, Mark Nadeau and Jacob Weidman. Hello. And we're going to talk about Coming to America, uh, the Eddie, Eddie Murphy movie from the 80s. Um, basic premise of this movie is a prince in Africa is sick of being pampered and treated too well. And he's trying to escape his arranged marriage. So he decides to take a trip to Queens, New York, in order to find a wife who loves him for him and not because he's a prince. And to sow his royal oats. <laughs> Honestly, I've never heard that expression ever used until this movie. I've heard of it. I've just never heard it actually used. And and that's that's what Darth happens Vader. when Darth Vader tells you to go bone every woman in New York. Yeah, so this is one of those movies where everyone says it's such a classic, such classic comedy. And I agree. I've never watched this movie in its entirety until... I'd never Until watched this. any part of this movie. Well, I've seen it on TV a bunch of times, but of course, you know, heavily censored, uh, heavily censored based on you know the content at the beginning, middle, and somewhat of the end. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's easy to see why it has lasted the test of time. Why it's considered a standard in in comedy. Yeah, and and it's just, I mean, yeah, it's it's such a classic movie. There's so and. And you can clearly see where Eddie Murphy decided he wanted to play every single side character imaginable um, in his movies going forward. Because this is the first movie that they did so many prosthetics and is that the makeup. First movie it's that the first movie that, that he okay. did that. Yeah. So he did. He played four characters, of course. Mm-hmm. Arsenio Hall also did four characters. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Arsenio Hall's character of the... Um, the guy doing the sermons. Uh, oh, the reverend. The reverend. Oh, my God. <laughs> that, like, it honestly, like, just his expressions and his mannerisms changes so much from the main character that he, that he's playing that it it's such a big, it's such a crazy contrast. And it, I'd even say the same for um, Eddie Murphy when he was the, um, which character was it? Um, Randy Watson. <laughs> sexual chocolate it's just it's so funny because you hear a bit of donkey from shrek Mm -hmm. in that voice he actually does the song uh the greatest love of all he does that as donkey and shrek Mm -hmm. but he also does in this and (laughs) it's funny if if you know anything about eddie murphy in the 80s and um his brother charlie murphy they used to hang out with celebrities, get into a lot of trouble. In particular, they used to get into a lot of trouble with Rick James, yeah. which was portrayed very heavily in um, the Dave Chappelle show from the uh, mid-2000s, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah, mid-2000s. Yeah. Um, their their rivalry was legendary, and I love the the dig on Soul Glow, the, uh, oh. <laughs> the Jerry Curl spray. It just... Every time I just see somebody with the Jerry curls, I just I just think of Rick James, and mm-hmm. and I think we have Rick James to thank for that, but yeah. also Eddie Murphy to thank for that because it was just and and the the family sitting at the table and getting up off in the back of the table oh, is it's just, just ripping yeah. with the grease <laughs> from the Jerry curl spray, and I'm just. I'm just losing my mind because I'm just thinking, Charlie Murphy, ha ha! You know, I'm just, I'm just loving it. It's just so uh, funny. 
And see, when, when you talk about, like, a... Yeah, this movie is considered one of the classic comedies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see this as a... This is a comedy from before the major shift that we saw in comedy. Um, which, I don't know if I've pinpointed down exactly where I think it happened. I think it was somewhere in the 2000s. Where, pre that era, you had comedy and you had satire. Mm-hmm. And a comedy was essentially just... like uh, The only difference between a drama and a comedy was one was a little bit more lighthearted, one was a little more serious. Mm-hmm. And most comedies were just a, a movie that happened to have a few more jokes than other movies. Mm-hmm. And some more than others. But then your satire, your satire films, like, you know, Airplane, Hot Shots, things like that. Spaceballs. Spaceballs. Every <laughs> frame, every scene was just filled with jokes. Mm-hmm. It was just jokes on jokes on jokes on jokes. And what I think the shift was, and especially this came about with the uh, Apatow films, mm-hmm was that those two things combined. And because we've kind of seen a drop-off of the satire films, Scary Movie was kind of the end, the beginning of the end of satire. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a lot of just really bad ones. I remember the first, for the, what was it? Epic Movie. Disaster Movie. Where the trailer for Epic Movie came out and it was making fun of movies that hadn't been released yet. Like it was literally satirizing clips from the trailers of other movies and there was such a fast turnaround that they were making these jokes before those movies had even and and all released yeah there's there's a few movies like that that really i really enjoy one of my favorite movies that satirizes um uh the the musician so the musician success story movies like the movie about um johnny cash was heavily satirized in Dewey Cox. Yeah. Walk Hard. But even um, then, that's still kind of a drama. Well, the funny mm-hmm. thing about that movie is actually they were making fun and satirizing um, uh, musicians' movies before a lot of these movies came out. Now, if you go and watch... Uh, oh, geez. I'm, I'm <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody and you watch the one about Elton John... If you go back and watch Dewey Cox again, it's even funnier because yeah. it follows but every was, single one of those story beats. that beads. was because it was it was making fun of a genre of film. Mm-hmm. So when new films of that genre get made, it's still making fun oh, of Oh, it's films. hilarious, yeah, which but, makes it so but relevant. But I think what we saw was a, a, a these movies that were joke after joke after joke. Like every line in the movie is a mm-hmm. joke. Everything that's said is a joke. Every action is a joke. There's jokes in the background. Um, that and then just like your normal comedy film mm-hmm. kind of combined. And that's when you got like the Apatow films where yeah. they would just do the ad-libbing and the line of Ramas. And they were just trying to see how many jokes they could pack into a scene. Mm-hmm. And you don't really see a lot of the comedies anymore. Where or they're just straight comedies. Where it's yeah. just, or if it's just, it, it's a funny drama. Mm-hmm. Like I, I didn't find this like this movie overly funny it was like an r rating away yeah. from a hallmark movie yeah it's like you do a gender swap well, that, and get rid of the r rating and well and that's and, why it's and change the ethnicity because let's be honest hallmark yeah would never would, just would never go for that never go but it's careful this, man it, they pay our bills <laughs> but it's it's a story that like we've 
basically done. We've, we've done these movies. A, a number I know. Of times. We, we've done so many, so many of these romantic movies. Like oh, a, hidden, wanna... a hidden princess who yeah. doesn't want to like yeah. be seen as yeah, a princess, and that's, and... and that's why it's so censored when you watch it. She's going yeah. somewhere else for love. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the thing is, is like there's jokes. A hundred percent, there's jokes. There's funny scenes, mm-hmm. but it, it's they didn't go so far as to be like it was a movie with jokes, not just like a reason to have jokes yeah it's not like a naked gun you're not watching a naked gun you're not watching an airplane or space balls or a mel brooks type of film or uh you know you're you're just you're watching a a drama that has comedy elements yeah Yeah. and it has these crazy caricatures that Mm. arsenio hall and eddie murphy came up with and you get some really random um cameos in this film cuba gooding jr is yep. in it. Uh, Samuel Jackson is in it, yes. which I don't know. I haven't really dug into Samuel Jackson's um, filmography. I think he was pretty established by this point. He was not not like as an A lister, right. but he right. had an established career. Okay, interesting to know. Um, and this is funny too because I was looking at at the director uh, John Landis, who um, apparently Eddie Murphy had to go out of his way to hire Landis uh, since Landis had a number of flops in in a row, three or four flops in a row. So the studios mm-hmm. had a very um, critical eye on Landis. And not only that, um, there were four deaths on the set of The, the Twilight Zone. Three. Which he, I thought it was four. Yeah, it was three. It was three people. Uh, were two children? Three, two, two children and yeah. a man were killed uh, who were on the ground. And then six people in the helicopter were injured. Oh, wow. It's insane. But it was, uh, yeah, it was a, a helicopter that got too close to a special effect on right. instruction. Right. To get lower and lower. But, but and the funny thing is, is that, and I think the reason why Eddie Murphy pushed so hard for Landis to get in is he, they did Trading Spaces together, the Blues Brothers, Animal House, uh, three, Amu- three Amigos, Beverly Hills Cop, number three. So, uh, you know, um, Eddie Murphy was really pushing for, for him to be, a, um, to be the director on this. And uh, apparently I was, I was looking up his career and John Landis... Uh, was all, has also been a producer quite a bit, but he started his career working in the mailroom at 20th Century Fox in the 70s. Yeah, so <laughs> you know that's a that's a pretty good mm-hmm. that's a pretty good success story. Like, yeah, started in the mailroom, directed like you know six great movies, three were flops, but you know pretty good track record, right? Yeah, it's two yeah. out of three. So well, he's he's done a lot of movies, mm-hmm. but who's Pepe Silvia? Yeah, who's Pepe <laughs> Silvia? Uh, there's like so many references to working your way up. From the mailroom, yeah. so yeah, there's so yeah. So kind of going through the film, uh, immediately what I noticed was in the what was the country called where he's from? Oh God, I forgot because he made it up. It was a made up name. It's yeah. not Wakanda. We know that it's no. um, it's uh, it starts with a Z. No, I think you're on the right track. <laughs> Zamunda. 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 That's what Thank you. Zamunda is the country. Um, So, like, you know, Eddie and Arsenio were trying to do accents. Mm -hmm. Um, James Earl Jones a little bit. But some of the people in the beginning of the movie were just doing none whatsoever. Like the wake-up girls who come in to wake them up have no accents whatsoever. Well, not only that, you can hear him go in and out of the accent at times. Oh, yeah. And not only that, there's one thing that I found hilarious was Eddie Murphy has that signature laugh. (laughs) I can't. I can't even do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he toned it. He actually, I think, he consciously toned it down in this movie so that he wouldn't sound too much like himself. Because mm-hmm. we all know the yeah, the Eddie Murphy laugh. 
Um, that I can't imitate. He like the, emails. Like. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely lost it at Eddie Murphy's facial expression when the third bathing girl surfaces and just says, "The royal penis has been cleaned, <laughs> Your Majesty," and he just kind of looks at the yeah. like, kind of looks at yeah. the camera and goes. Yeah. yeah, there's some nice fourth wall breaking for everyone at home. <laughs> That's hilarious. Also, when we when we get into the like marriage announcement scene, and same thing, like facial expression on mm-hmm. Arsenio Hall, it's just like he's not acting; he's just super excited to be there. And there's a hundred dancing girls. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, there were a couple things at the beginning that kind of bugged me. The establisher is very clearly just a diorama that goes into a matte painting. I mean, maybe at the time, seeing it on TV, seeing it on a you know eighteen inch, twenty two yeah, inch but TV, it would have been in theaters, and it would have yeah. been in theaters, and yep. it would have been easily noticed. It's definitely a matte painting. The other one that was really bad was a Concorde jet going by. Oh. It's like that's a model. <laughs> That's a little plastic model that you yeah. have on a string. But, but and... sometimes they did the, those kind of things on purpose, right? Uh, like it was yeah. purposefully done bad. Yeah. I remember, um, oh, this is much later on in the movie, so we'll wait to get to this one. But yeah, uh, yeah, four eddies. <laughs> he clearly loved doing all the character actors. I never realized that he was also the Jewish man. Yeah. In the barbershop. I never knew that for the 100%. longest time. He's the old Jewish that. man. And apparently he went he went in full makeup and costume yeah. to another soundstage. <laughs> and he started waving at people doing the tour, saying, hey, everybody, I'm Eddie Murphy. But he wasn't even doing the <laughs> Jewish voice. He was doing his own voice. Because, <laughs> like, even if you look at the at – the, like, they did that makeup so perfectly. Yeah. You look yeah. at it, the only thing that's the same is his brown eyes. That's yeah. it. Everything is done, like – so even the hands, like – I don't know. Did they prosthetic the hands as well? Because like, yeah, that's well, you hard said it was do. Rick Baker, right? I think so. Yeah. Um, if it was, if if Rick Baker did the makeup for that, then yeah, it was done well. Well, yeah, he continued to do. Um, Which I again, because uh, Rick I Baker, so. yeah, it makes sense because Rick Baker did American Werewolf in London for Atlantis. Yes, he did. Yeah, so it was the first time they worked together, uh, Rick Baker and Eddie Murphy. They would team up again on Nutty Professor, uh, Life, and Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps, and Norbit as well, which I know a lot of people hate Norbit, but it has its moments. What's it talking about? <laughs> which is hilarious because... Lucretia just... Oh, so the, the Nutty Professor is not at all a remake of The Nutty Professor. No, it's not. Flubber is a remake of The Nutty Professor. That's correct. You are correct, sir. For those of you who don't know, there is uh, an original Disney. There's an Nutty original movie. Disney movie called The Nutty Professor. Sixties, maybe. F- uh, yeah, sixties, like, late sixties or early seventies. Um, yeah, which is same uh, actor as the Shaggy Dog. Yeah, which was later remade uh, as a movie called Flubber, starring Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, the original is not as good. Has its moments. It, it has its moments. It's, but it's a it's on the same level as a as a Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. So it's not yeah. It's not Shaggy Dogs. I mean, if you know your '60s movies, Swiss Family Robinson, they're not they're not great, but um, they're classics. Now I have this note written down, which I realize I did not give myself enough context, mm-hmm. seeing as I wrote these notes a few days ago. Um, I know somebody sang it, but the line "Free from Infection" was sung by somebody. <laughs> And I can't remember if it's somebody singing on their own or if it's when he's on stage singing. Oh, no, that's... 
That wasn't Randy Watson singing that? I don't think so. At some point, no. Oh, no. It was the Reverend making fun of Randy Watson. Or was something. It? Yeah, it was something. One of the people couldn't be there. And then he did end up showing up at the last minute. And then I think Arsenio Hall was making fun of that whole, like, free from infection. And he was just, like, <laughs> yeah. going on and on. And, yeah. We- he yeah, had so much in that. Oh like, man, that character was like completely over the top. It's, it's like the lot. Lord helped Gilligan get off that island. It's <laughs> <laughs> like all these obscure yeah, references, and, he's, and he's and he's start he's starting to lose the crowd. That's the part I like yeah. is that the crowd is like even the shots of the crowd. They're like, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. You're it's, just saying things in a loud voice. <laughs> Oh, it's great. He just keeps pointing at the women's asses and be like, yeah, yeah so- I know there's a lord. <laughs> oh, I, know, I know there's a lord out there. Yeah. And you know what's hilarious about this movie is that we work we work on films that are typically shot in 12 days. Uh, this movie took 83 days. Wow. Yeah. 83 <coughs> days. And and they, they, weren't, f- they weren't messing around. They blocked off humongous oh, sections yeah. of New York. To shoot this movie, like the whole Waldorf Astoria Jeez. with the caval with the cavalry, the the whole like because um, that's, that's like that, downtown Manhattan, isn't it? Yeah, that that's not yeah yeah that's that's not easy to do. Um, yeah, it's just money, 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 right? Well, and you and, have to think any of those scenes, like the barbershop scenes, yeah, one hundred percent. Just those barbershop scenes oh. took two days to shoot. Oh, at because least. you had to shoot one side yep. with Eddie and Arsenio mm-hmm. in one makeup, and then you had to turn it around and shoot it again with them in different makeup. <laughs> yep and uh and then they had to make sure it looked good so they'd have to probably chop it up in dailies to make sure that it looked okay yep. and that it was good enough to to actually be like yeah we we can give this one a pass let's move on um yeah it's insane uh, apparently it was a 30 million dollar budget so i mean obviously they shot all the new york scenes in new york uh the only stuff that wasn't in new york was the palace which was all done on paramount's lot in la but a $30 million budget, like, in the 80s would be, like, what today? Would you say 100-ish? I'd, I'd say, yeah. Um, so yeah, if you're spending $30 million on a so movie. Does that, does that feel like a $100 million movie to you, like, today? Uh, well, hmm. I think a lot of it was locations. More than likely. Location budget was the Let's ask nuts. the locations manager. <laughs> well, Jacob, what do you think the shutting down uh, downtown Manhattan costs? Well, that's... That that would be an insane amount of money, but like a lot of the other locations are like, are not like, like, like well they're they're in the, the McDowell's yeah. the apartment like the oh the shop, McDowell's like that. was hilarious yeah so that was actually Wendy's on Queens Boulevard <laughs> was that was Wendy's? scheduled to be closed for renovations so the production had approval from McDonald's corporate which um, apparently McDonald's corporate didn't pass the word down to all the other local McDonald's oh so no. yeah so on the day the McDowell's sign went up. The manager at the McDonald's, uh, a half mile away, uh, arrived to that location with his lawyer and a photographer, and they were telling the set dressing crew that they're going to be sued for <laughs> everything they were worth. <laughs> and the restaurant, that restaurant, which is a Wendy's, remained in business until about early uh, 2013, and it's since been demolished. But uh, can you yeah. imagine just like the McDonald's guy? Because the the way the whole franchise system works is that oh, yeah. those guys were thinking we're losing our we're losing our shirt here. There's somebody there's coming people, in to try and yeah. pretend to be us. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like I'm 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 losing money now, and uh, I just love. I love all the comparison that, that John Amos did. All the comparisons to the they've got the golden arches, yeah. got the, <laughs> the golden arcs. Yeah, it's just uh, he's got sorry. the manual. And he's, he's like, uh, uh, uh. Gold, golden arches, and he called his the gold arcs. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. 
So here's another weird thing. So uh, Cleo McDowell uh, shamelessly copies McDonald's. Obviously, we can tell. Um, apparently, John Amos had a long history with McDonald's in real life. At one point, he worked at the first ever McDonald's in Canada. Hmm. Oh. Uh, and he also starred in a famous song and dance McDonald's commercial in 71, Grab a Bucket and Mop. So that was the whole thing of him making fun uh. of Akeem when he was mopping because he was just like, he did a song and dance number for a commercial that had probably been on the air for like two, three years or more. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there, there's a lot of like little, little nods in there, but, uh, oh, the one part that drove me nuts and I loved it so much was the hundred dollar bill with Akeem's face on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just, oh. I just yeah. like he and it literally so good. has was, money, not like he has a lot of it. Yeah, his he, face is on the money. He's on the money. <laughs> he the fact that it looked so good, like it looked like an actual, like it was well designed. It looked like an actual bill. It was of all that crumpled. Time, yeah. yeah, it was all crumpled. It was messed up. And man, oh man, Waldorf Astoria. When Hollywood had the money and the balls and the weight to do whatever the hell they wanted. I mean, they still kind of do. They still kind of do, but it just, I don't know. I guess I'm just used to what we do is we just don't oh. even, don't even lock down a street. We, we just cheat. let traffic go through. We and we're cheat like, every city. Like, yeah. like nowadays, I don't know, anything that's in New York, Chicago, whatever, they cheat Vancouver, Toronto. Like, oh, for sure. It, yeah. It's, well, Denver looks like my hometown. Yeah. So <laughs> you, could, you could shoot in my hometown and it would look like Denver. More on that on a later episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, one thing that I'm noticing as we're doing a, a couple of these is uh, older movies lived way more in the wide shots. Yep. Um, it's not like now where you yeah. have a ton of close-ups, and I don't know the name of the shot when it's just the head. We just call it a close-up. Yeah, just close-up. Extreme close-up would be like yeah. eyes um, but only it's, or something like, like that. Right? Nowadays yeah. you get a lot more of like shoulders up, neck mm-hmm. up. Whereas, uh, yeah, it seems like back in the day, a lot of your your shots were these bigger wide shots where you saw either the person from the waist yeah. up or multiple people at the same time. The funny thing, you say that, but there are actually a few shots that I noted in this that I was actually impressed at because steady cam technology and you know and whatnot was a little bit more um, difficult because it was all extremely weighted big heavy cameras when you had film canisters in the cameras mm-hmm. what would happen is the film can- canister would run from one side to the other and guess what you had weighted it to be at the back so when all the film starts to go to the front of the camera oh. now you're fighting the camera going down yeah trying to do a nice shot so there's one shot where when the king of, of uh, zamunda arrives in queens limo pulls up shot of the street door opens feet go down slow stand up proud king just oh like i look at that and i'm like we get maybe one of those a show where we actually do a A nice a nice good following shot where it's just like damn like that looked really really good um there's a lot there's the conversation at the mcdowell's residence when they're trying to figure out what's happening. Where's Lisa? Where's Akeem? Where's my son? Where's my daughter? And it's Lisa. just back and forth. But then the shots with the dog in between, the little tiny little white Bichon Frise yeah. on the couch. Everybody's looking over. Dog looks over. And then it, <laughs> we're looking at the guy. He looks over. Dog looks over. And it's just, guys, like... And then the final shot in that scene yeah. is the dog spiking the camera. Yeah, it's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. 
And then there was another spot too, uh, the subway scene when he's chasing after Lisa on the subway. That mm. would have been really hard to do. I don't know if they, because I mean, it was a, a, a truly used subway train. Well, and it's mm. this is the seventies and eighties New York mm-hmm. subway when yeah. it was still scary as uh-huh. fuck. Uh-huh. You could barely see any metal; it was all graffiti. Yeah. yeah, the whole thing was graffiti. So it makes me wonder if they just like. Took one of the trains off like, the track. They, and they, they just, must have a set for that somewhere, or like something. Specifically, there or has they have to be lines a set that they're not using with one that they yeah. can control. Yeah, they must have lines that they're not using. But that was just that was just so well done. Like the passing through everybody, and I mean now it's a, you just grab a smartphone and a and a little uh, stabilizer, like a little uh, a little Ronin stabilizer for your phone. You walk through, you can make things look pretty amazing. But back then, for them to pull that off, I think was mm-hmm. pretty impressive. Yeah, because was this post Halloween? Because Halloween kind of yeah. is what helped Steadicam take off. Oh, really? Like how? Like the first oh, Steadicam okay. shots were for Halloween. Huh. Interesting. Um. Oh, the all the the women in the nightclub. Oh, that was great. That was great. <laughs> I loved. Do you know that Arsenio Hall is is listed as ugly woman? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I'll take both of you. <laughs> Hidden on himself. <laughs> but like it's clear. Like, like uh, they didn't even try that hard. Akeem, like it's clearly Akeem is yeah. like clearly like why does this woman look like you? Yeah. <laughs> um, but just going through oh, the whole man. list of oh, I oh. just want to sing my own songs and and produce my, oh, my own God. songs yep. and and I'm just gonna write my own songs and you know I'm just gonna I'm just gonna make records. I'm just gonna put them out there and. Um, yeah, like I just, uh, I, yeah, like I'm, I'm just, I'm just gonna start a record label. <laughs> like we went to every bar, every bar in so, Queens. It's like, well, that's your problem. You went to the bars bar. or yeah, went to all the exactly. clubs, nightclubs in Queens. Yeah. Uh, John Amos, so the Cleo McDowell uh, or uh, Cleo McDowell, he has a really familiar sounding voice, does he not? Like mm-hmm. listening to that, just yeah. just the sound of his voice, like the, it sounds like he could have been like easily a good voice actor. Mm-hmm. Like he had like a really unique sort of voice that had a pretty good range, and he was just I don't know, just a funny guy. Um, the um, <laughs> the part where where uh, what was the the uh, Arsenio Hall's character's name again? Was it S- uh, Sam? Semi? 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 Yeah. Yeah, Semi. Or Semi. 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 Yeah. yeah like semi. So anyway, so Short. Semi, when he when he has to send the, the telegraph out because they've run out of money because they yeah. pimped out their apartment. The Western Union. They pimped out their apartment. And that woman is just so like, he's like, $300,000. Think that's going to be enough? She's like saying sarcastically. <laughs> he's like, 400000 And he's like, I think you're right. 500000 <laughs> And then she's like, want to make it a cool million? <laughs> Like sure, why not? like lit- like she has no clue, right? She probably just thinks this guy is just crazy. Yeah, yeah. some crazy African guy off the street. The basketball game with the people that recognized Prince Akeem was hilarious because oh, he started yeah. they start worshiping him. Basically, what was that about? Who was that? Yeah. Oh, just a, like I'll, I'll I'll never forget this moment. I'll never forget this yeah. moment. Who was that? Oh, just a man I met in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Soul glow. Ugh. Is oh, that, is that Eddie Murphy singing? Or, like, who is singing that? That's Eddie Murphy. Okay. Is it? I think oh, Eddie Murphy okay. is also the man who, who recorded and released a record just to prove he could. <laughs> but Rick James actually helped them produce it. Yeah. My girl likes to party all the time. Party all the time. 
Um, yeah. So there's um, there was one part here. Um, let's take a moment to appreciate Frankie Faison. He's the landlord. Mm-hmm. Like he's just great. He just yeah. shows up and stuff from time to mm-hmm. time. And I was kind of disappointed to find out that he's not related to Donald Faison. I was really huh. hoping. Like I'm I'm a Donald Faison fan now. That would have just like taken it to another level. Wasn't he in Undercover Brother? Probably. He, he was like the chief. I'm sure he was. Frankie Faison? Yeah, I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was the chief. Um, he's in Do the Right Thing. He's in White Chicks. What's the one you're asking about? Uh, Undercover Brother. It would have been uh, mid to early 2000s. Well, let's take a look. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, one part I loved was the... Um, the whole mirrored story of the arranged marriage is great, right? Yeah. Like, Daryl proposes to Lisa to her father instead of to her. Yeah. And they announce it at the party. She's freaking out because she doesn't want to be in an arranged marriage. And I think that's when Akeem truly, like, realizes, like, this girl is really similar to me. And I respect, you know, her opinion and what she's going through because I'm going through the same. The one thing I didn't like was how fast everything progressed. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden, I don't like I don't like Daryl anymore. Let's go out and let's get married. Let's well, get married. You know, it's like it's okay, that happened it's quick. Like, I understand how quickly yeah. she ditched Daryl because, like, okay, that's, let's talk about that for a moment. Yeah, this is a man who straight up decided that women like to be told what to do. Yeah, so he announces <laughs> to all of their family and friends that she has accepted his proposal. When he has not proposed to her. Yeah. And he's just like, wow, if I just tell everybody in this room that you accepted the proposal, then what are you going to do? Yep. Yeah, that was uh, that was awkward. Um, I hated Daryl taking credit for the huge donation at the uh, yeah. at the meeting when it was clearly Akeem. Yeah. Um, I hated uh, <laughs> the part where he, um, he takes Akeem's pocket change. Oh, and he yeah. gives it to the bums at, at the, uh, like in the park. Those, if you've seen Trading Spaces, uh, oh, those so those are the uh, traders that they yeah. destroyed. Yeah. Um, uh, Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy destroyed those two guys, or three. There were th- there was a third one, but he couldn't he couldn't make that. So happen. that means that Coming to America and Trading Spaces are a shared universe, somewhat. Yeah. <laughs> um, There's another. So so Prince Akeem has a doppelganger. Yeah. <laughs> But that's the thing, because those two characters are, like, they are, it is technically a sequel to Trading Spaces. Oh, did you notice on the subway, right when Lisa gets out, there's a film poster on the wall for a fake film? Is there? And it says, see you next Wednesday, instead of see you next Thursday. (laughs) And it's a sci-fi starring Jamie Lee Curtis, and it's it's a picture of a a woman in, like, a really tight-fitting spacesuit. With an astronaut's helmet on. This is Jamie Lee Curtis, Dan Aykroyd, and a whole bunch of other really <laughs> heavy hitters. And so they just made up but this it's, fake... It's all the people from Trading Spaces. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. I think it is. And they just made up this fake uh, poster. A, a lot. I mean, they could have said, see you next Tuesday or see you next Thursday instead of see you next Wednesday. But I guess yeah. they didn't want to be too on the chin. Yeah. But uh, it was... It's just funny to see when they uh, when they sneak little little things like that into films. I love that. Yeah, I didn't catch that at all. Bacon donuts. Bacon donuts. Bacon donuts. 
as a reference that none of you will no. ever get, unless they get famous. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's going to happen. The fictional band that just continues <laughs> throughout the. Um, <laughs> hey, if you make a reference to it and a new thing each time, like you can have one of the like one of the characters like on the album covers get progressively worse looking and older looking as time goes by as everybody else stays the same or you can have like one getting overweight one losing their hair one looking like they've no, got a I think drug we just habit. need to keep referencing <laughs> bacon donuts in enough projects that eventually somebody's going to pick up and be like why do I keep seeing bacon donuts then you got to then you got to then they register have to do... the domain you have to register the domain and yeah. have a really shitty album but then but no but then it's going to be like the the It'll like be like Spinal ten, Tap. Ten years from <laughs> yeah. now, it'll be people trying to track down yeah, what started Bacon Donuts. Yeah. Well, no, like, and that's kind of like Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap was a just made-up thing Yeah, that was just made up for that movie. And then apparently people loved them so much that they actually started doing shows. Yeah. So, anyways. Um, Hashtag Bacon Donuts. Bacon Donuts. <laughs> I love the part after um, Cleo McDowell finds out that Akeem is the prince of Zamunda. And that his father is there, and that he's just rich, like filthy rich. Daryl shows up with the flowers. He just, <laughs> he slams, just slams the door, the door straight and in his the face. doorbell rings again. Just yeah. like, nope. I'll be right back. I'll be right Runs back, back. opens the door, sees it's still oh, him, man. slams it again. Oh, so funny. Like, what that happened three or four times. Three times. Where he like, the three. dog. <laughs> yeah. Oh he yeah. Six, six, he six. pulls the dog on him. He sticks the dog. But on he him. won't yeah. leave, and he just like. Uh, Get him! It's like tiny little white fluffy dog just runs barrels through the door. And, he, and then he just slams oh, the door, man. leaving the dog outside. And that's the last we see him, right? Yep. I think. Indeed. Yeah. And, oh, here's a little uh, a little tidbit. So uh, the director of photography on this movie was uh, Woody Omens, who worked with uh, Eddie Murphy on, I think, three other projects after this one. So he must – I feel like when you get to the level of celebrity that certain people have – it was Eddie Murphy. Like, in the 80s, it was celebrities selling projects. Like, they would go yeah. to Fox and be like, hey, we've got an idea for a film. This is our idea. And they're like, okay, how much do you need? $60 million. Okay, who's in it? Who do you have signed on it? And I think a lot of the times, if you're not... Back then, if you weren't super famous, you weren't getting... Projects yeah. weren't being picked up. So this is a thing where Eddie Murphy could go around and like, hey, I love Woody Omens. We're having him in... He's going to be in Coming to America. I'm going to have him in Harlem Nights. I'm going to have him in Boomerang. And then looking at his other credits or not, he doesn't have a substantial amount of credits, but it's just like, this is a good guy to work with. Good results. Keep him keep him around, right? Yeah. It, it was the same thing with John Landis. I feel like... Well, it's one of those things when you find your good crew oh, to for work sure. with, you keep that crew. But the thing that's awkward is when you see the same actors in every single movie, Christopher Nolan... <laughs> Tim Burton. What's wrong with David Dow? No, wait, no. Or I don't know. Jeez, how many like how okay, how many films in a row did Christopher Nolan use the same people? So we had Inception. Well, no, we had, had Inception well, with He has his specifics. <laughs> we had Inception with uh uh Jordan I'm I'm failing now with his name. Who? Leonardo uh, DiCaprio. No, not Di- not Leo. Which character? Jordan Jordan, no. Jordan, yeah. Jason, I'm like, I don't know. Any. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm failing, and I feel Jason so bad. Jason was not. No, no. <laughs> you guys suck. Which character is the black haired? The Jesus Christ, the uh, Cillian Murphy. No, fuck. 
Jordan. No, stop. Does everybody just stop? I'm, I'm failing. I'm sorry. Describe the character. I can't. I can't. Who do they play? They play the guy. Joseph who... Gordon Levitt. Thank you. Uh, Jordan. <laughs> Joseph Gordon. Jordan. I know. Okay, I mixed up. I mixed guys. up all the letters. I mixed up all. I, I apologize. Like, Let's yell actors. I love Mark. I love your movies. Um, <laughs> um, and then the. Um, the person who plays Hobbs' wife in that, which is Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, character, was Marion Collatard. But notice how in Dark Knight, Dark Knight Returns, it's mm. those two again. Yeah. So we have um, what are they? What? Which, I mean, which um, Robin was his name though? Was was he supposed to be um, in the Dark Knight Returns? No, he was uh, a, he was a new Robin altogether. Oh, he was a completely yeah, he was new. new. Um, okay. Yeah, but Michael Caine gets used. Yeah, in Michael every <laughs> oh, boy. project. Um. Yeah, and then well, what was Johnny Depp? <laughs> All what, the Tim what was the um, Harry Styles? It, no, it was the Chris Nolan movie about the magicians. Oh, um, the, prestige. Prestige. the Prestige. Yeah, again, again Bale. Bale. Christian Bale, yeah. um, Michael Caine. But that was a great flick. Michael Caine That's was great. in that. I yeah. forgot. I forgot. It's been so long. I saw that when it first came out, and I probably haven't seen it since. It's one of those movies where. Once the ending is kind of revealed, you're like, eh, I don't really need to watch this movie again. Beautiful movie. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Shot really well. Ending didn't really make sense. Bowie um, as Tesla. Yeah, also, two also, of them. also didn't, didn't make sense. <laughs> Bowie as Tesla uh, was amazing. Yeah. No, it was good. Like, but it was He's the like, guy who built that machine. Because he, he would have been the guy to he build that machine. If there, would, if there was a machine that did that, it would have been Tesla that built it. Yeah. So, but yeah. it also means that now we will never get a full movie about Tesla starring Bowie. This is true. Which makes me sad. Very sad. Um, yeah, I mean... Anyway, so yeah, you, you get a crew, you keep the crew. It's oh, very no, for sure. I mean, it's, it's the same for... It's Avatar. very common. It's extremely common here. <laughs> yeah, how many of the same actors and people have we worked with? Yeah. Well, I love seeing... Um, I feel like I love, that's more of a lack of options, though. It's a little <laughs> bit of both. I mean, like, obviously... Mark, they, how many people in our area do your job? Uh, well, with enough credits that you can count on more than one finger, there's one. <laughs> Mark, how many people in our area do my job? Um, well, with more <laughs> movies or more successful movies that you can count on one finger, I think there's one. Two. <laughs> okay. Jacob, how many local people can do your job? Uh, well... <laughs> This is what I'm getting at, guys. Come on, go with it. The, the, the point is, between the three of us sitting at this table, we all have three different job positions. There are five people total, including us three, yep. in the Okanagan who could fill our position. Who could do our positions and do them well, well, well enough to actually to do the job yeah. and to not botch things up too badly. Um, and I mean, that's not to say that I haven't had people fill in for me. I have had people fill in for me a couple times. Um, but not for like no, not for like and usually under supervision. Yeah, usually under my supervision, and um, also calling me up anytime there's an issue. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, and, and so I'm basically on like I'm on vacation, but I'm also on call. And that's kind age. of what I'm dealing with with this upcoming project in a mm-hmm. city nearby. Is I've offered up basically being on call to the person who's going to do my job to help them Fun. help coach them through it when they need it. I may have um, to do that on when we're doing when the next one's happening in Kamloops and we're doing the one here. Mm-hmm. I may have to do that exact thing. Yeah, like I'll have to. That's do, that's what I'm talking about. I'll have to do four people's work again. Fun, fun. I can't wait. It's gonna so be great. great. These keep popping out of my ears. Is driving me 
Well, I think we're we're pretty much wrapped up at that point. Um, Sexual chocolate! (laughs) Charlie Murphy! I would just like to quote the insult that was said to Samuel Jackson. Please. Freeze, you diseased rhinoceros pizzle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I almost wonder, though, if the beginning of that movie of them sparring with the big, huge rattan both staffs was only there to set up that that one scene. Exactly. And not only that, I love the fact that you see Prince Akeem doing backflips over and over and over again, and that guy is ripped. Mm -hmm. Like, if you, like, watch, that guy is, like, like, shredded. And then... Huh, it's Eddie Murphy. Like, I know how they do. I know they just replace people. They have a stunt person come in. But it's just, at least get the hair somewhat accurate. Yeah. At least get the body type or physique yeah. somewhat <laughs> accurate. I mean, uh, well, yeah. One of these days. If this we'll, was we'll, Disney, they would have got Eddie Murphy to get really ripped prior to the movie. Potentially, so yeah. They just get everyone to get I mean, they, they have Chris Pratt Brendan, style. Brendan Fraser to do it for George of the Jungle of all yeah. things. Yeah, no, oh. he was ripped already. No, he had to put on it. Did he put on more? He, they were actually going to put have him. Have you in seen a mu- him I remember Doom They were going to put him in. Uh, they were going to put him in a muscle suit if he didn't get ripped enough. Oh, so he actually. But was George before or after Mummy? Before. Mm. Uh oh, you know yeah, what? I don't know. So that's because I know I he got he before. got pretty big. He got pretty big for Mummy. But he got a lot of injuries on him. I mean, anyways, we're talking about a whole yeah. other movie. Anyways. Uh, uh, now he's a robot. Yeah. That has been another episode of the Random Cinematic Universe where uh, the algorithm shows coming to America for us to watch. And but not coming to America. But not coming to America. Coming to America. Yeah. Not to be confused. Uh, so next week we have... Uh, Mark will be back with us. And Nina... And we are going to the, oh, so this is one when I hit the algorithm. I, I, it's a randomizer. I go the in. The algorithm failed us. I, I, I picked Amazon <laughs> for that week. You failed us. Algorithm. I, I, I pressed random. Give me a random movie title. It selected a movie called Rattlecan. So if you're going to listen, if you're going to listen into next week's episode, you can go on Amazon Prime in Canada and you can watch the movie Rattlecan. It is... 90 minutes of a movie. Uh, Anyways, we're going to leave it at that. So thanks for joining us and tune in next week. Bye. Okay, bye. (laughs) bye. (laughs) Hello. And welcome to NPR. So normally, so this just says audio track one, so this is exactly what we get. Check it. Yeah. I am talking like an yeah, idiot. <laughs>